Hello, and thank you for joining us. This is Brian, your host of the Parish the Thought Show. The opinions of said host and our guests have not been sanitized or scientifically tested, so please consume at your own risk. All right, everyone. My guest today is newly elected California State Senator Brian Daly, representing the uh, first Senate district, which covers about eight counties in uh, northwest, northeastern California. Correct? Is that right? No, it's actually eleven counties. Oh, I just counted, and I guess I counted wrong. So, well, thank you, sir, for being uh, being with us today. I appreciate you coming on. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Glad it's to only go. it's only been twenty years since I've actually spoken to you, so this is good. <laughs> Time flies in the flesh. So I wanted to have you on just, uh, you know, you and I came from the, you know, the same, not the same high school, but we, we went to different high schools together and it's been, it's been fascinating to kind of watch your story or watch your path, you know, your path, you know, from, you know, this good old boy from big Valley to, uh, you know, to now into the California state Senate. So um, what I wanted to just kind of hear from your lips. Why did you start? Where did you start? Why did you start? And, uh, and then we, you know, we can go from there. Yeah. So, I mean, for those who don't know, my background is uh, my family. Uh, my grandfather actually came to California during the Great Depression looking for work in 1929. And uh, he uh, had an uncle that lived in MacArthur area. And uh, he tried, went to L.A. first and couldn't find a job. And uh, he went to MacArthur to visit his uncle and he his uncle shared with him that uh, they were uh, giving land grants out to veterans and he was a world war one veteran up in Siskiyou County. So he actually went up and put his name in the, in the barrel and they drew his name out and he received uh, a piece of a homestead in Siskiyou County in Tule Lake in 1930. And so uh, that's what brought our family uh, to California. And uh, he bought property in Lassen County in, in 1942 and so we moved from Siskiyou County to Lassen County in 72. We had the properties for a long time, but uh, that was what brought us to, to the Big Valley area. So I have a high school education. Uh, we were land. We had a lot of land, but no cash. And so uh, you know, I went into the workforce. I tried farming and then uh, worked construction. So I've built power plants and dams and roads and uh, did all kinds of different things, but eventually ended up uh, starting my seed business. I always wanted to be a farmer and I still farm today. So I do have a seed business, Big Valley Seed Company, which is uh, we make cereal grains for seed, wheat, barley, oats, rye, peas. And we run it through a mill and it goes uh, out to the farmers for their seed stocks. Uh, one interesting note, we do not do any GMO seed. We um, <clears throat> sell uh, native brands of seed. So I uh, got into politics quite frankly a little bit uh i've always been part of my community uh coach little league and and uh you know wanted to see my community strong and i actually uh was approached uh by farmers to run for the farm service agency board and and so i did uh it was when i was uh about 27 i think it was or so and uh just starting my seed business and so i served her out eight months on the farm service agency board and our county supervisor, who was from our area, um, and the county seat was 75 miles away in Susanville. So we've always had a county supervisor from the north end of the county. And they came to me and asked uh, me to run for county supervisor. So I ran in a three-way race and won that race and then served 16 years on Lassen County Board of Supervisors. 
Uh, and then people were uh, all along the way asking me or sharing with me, you, know, you should run for higher office. We need people like you in government. So I'm a small business owner. I care about my community. Um, got married to my wife uh, just after I got elected to the board of supervisors. So she had been um, engaged in me being in, I was in politics before we actually got married. And so we have three children. I have a son, Chase, who is uh, going to Cal Poly San Luis studying crop science. He's a freshman. He just finished his freshman year. I have a son, uh, Reagan, who is 17, who just got elected to the statewide office for Future Farmers of America. He's the vice president. So he'll spend a year uh, promoting agriculture through FFA and the programs that they provide for students. And then he also got accepted to Cal Poly San Luis uh, for the following year. That's where he'll go. Uh, I also have a daughter, Rosalind, who is nine, who is the, I say she runs the whole place. She's just awesome, neat jewel in my life. And so been married 20 years. Anyway, so after our 16 years on the board of supervisors, uh, raising my family, running my business, um, I decided that uh, after our county was completely debt free and our pensions were funded, that um, I would run for the state assembly, which I did in 2011, and was elected to the state assembly and served six years uh, and was became the Republican leader uh, last year and then uh, decided to run for the state senate in the open uh, senate seat that Ted Gaines uh, uh, vacated when he went to the Board of Equalization and so found me here in the state senate. And you may ask why I ran for the state senate when I was already a state assemblyman. Yeah, that was, well, I, my, I guess, maybe, maybe explain the difference between the two positions. So the state assembly has 80 members and the state assembly has 40 members. So your vote is twice as powerful. But it's not really that the reason why uh, I ran for the state senate was uh, when I was in the state assembly, I tried to share our district. So the district of the assembly part of the senate district is 25,000 square miles. So with a population of about a half a million people. So most of the members of the legislature don't understand the North state and the challenges we have with lack of broadband, um, our healthcare systems are, you know, we have district hospitals. Um, our schools need busing for getting our children there. Uh, we have a lot of natural resources that are quite frankly at risk because of catastrophic wildfire. And so when I was in the state assembly, I, I asked members to come to my district and, uh, and promoted my district. And so over the six years, I've had 120 legislators. Now, some of those have termed out, and so we have new ones that come through. But 120 legislators, the Speaker of the Assembly, have been to my, to my home uh, in Bieber, where the population is 312, and he has no cell service. So when, when I talk to them about the bills uh, that I'm running through the state legislature, they understand it because they've been to, our, they've been to my district. I also represent Lake Tahoe. Mount Shasta, Fall River, uh, many, many beautiful places. Uh, quite frankly, Northeastern California has some of the beautiful places in the world. And so I got to share our beauty, but I also got to share the challenges uh, that we face. I mean, I took them to Bernie Falls. I showed them the catastrophic wildfires we've had. So I've run lots of legislation, and most of my legislation, for the most part, would be able to get through the state assembly, but I would get to the state senate where I didn't have those same relationships and education of the district and then I would um, my bills would get hung up in the Senate so that was really the nexus for running for the state Senate is to be able to build those relationships in the Senate and educate 
the members here and the legislators on our issues so I can actually do things for my community. So that's um, why I really ran for the state Senate was a, a crazy race, but uh, we were successful. We got about eight points uh, over our opponent and we're here. So, so I want to continue to do what I've been doing. I'm not going to change my style. I have a lot of um, folks that uh, know I'm a farmer and I actually do a payroll every two weeks. We have employees. That's rare in this, in the whole capital. I think in the state assembly, there was only like four of us that uh, do a payroll every two weeks. So my small business uh, knowledge and my um, ability to be able to come out of local government, I think is a, as a advantage I have uh, even in the state Senate. So <clears throat> my, my goals are to serve my community. I want a good place for my children to go to school. I want people to have good roads to drive on. I want them to be safe. I want our environment to be sound and not uh, risk of catastrophic fire. And I also want the people of the first Senate district to have the same opportunities that you do if you're in an urban area where you have, uh, you know, broadband and, and your, your width on your um, internet is able to, you know, give you the things that, that people need to learn and to do run businesses and those type of things. So that's kind of what I'm about um, in a nutshell. So is it sort of just some of the challenges of that area? Of course, I mean, I left 30 years ago, but um, just the remoteness of it all. Yeah. And I also, uh, you know, if you're in rural California or you're in rural America, I mean, I, I always, you know, we talk about there was a lot more opportunities for employment in our district. And that's just quite frankly, because times have changed. I mean, I, I worked in a lumber mill right there in Bieber when I got uh, for a while when I got out of high school and, and, you know, we have times have changed. My grandfather had seven kids and he hired people to help him on our farm. I run that farm, which I bought from my mom when my dad passed away. And also I have other lands and I do custom work and all that with, you know, myself, a couple of employees and my sons. So we do a lot more with a lot with, with less people. And so that's, what's happened mostly to, rural parts of California and quite frankly, the country. So I always share that, you know, I can harvest more grain in one day than my grandfather could harvest in probably a week or maybe even longer with a lot more people. I can do it with one machine. Well, the same things happened in, you know, manufacturing of, you know, lumber, um, Sierra Pacific industries, just in Bernie, you know, uh, invested $70 million in a, in a, uh, a sawmill and you know i think it's nine or ten people run it and it'll put out in two shifts a million board feet well when i worked at big Valley lumber company in bieber we were happy to get out fifty thousand board feet to eighty thousand board feet with per shift so you can just with a whole bunch of people so technology's changed uh we do things with less people and that's changed our communities we don't have the workforce and so quite frankly it's um you know there's 52 kids and and my son's high school you know wow. 12 and so and his class had like 13 so uh you know it's it's going to be smaller next year so it's happening not only in my community but it happens all through my district where we have um you know we just don't have the the the, you know, the need for as many people in doing what we do and there's been a lot less products coming out for the forest service lands and the management so we've lost those uh those jobs so are people just leaving the area because there's just no work or, or is that just 
Is it always been that small? I mean, I know. I no, know. it's was, you know, it was a little bit larger, but there was a lot more uh, working people there. Um, there was, I mean, I can remember when I was growing up and, and went to high school in the eighties, there was uh, a molding mill in new Beaver. There was a, the mill in Beaver, there was a mill in Aiden. Uh, you know, there was a, and there was a lot more kids working on or families working on the agricultural side of it as well. And out in the forestry that we, we do more in the forest, you know, with equipment out there as well. So, so we just have seen less, and there's no molding mill. There's, there's no mills left. Um, and so we have agriculture as well. Um, but one of the biggest employers in our, our community is the healthcare, uh, provider, which represents 11, rural health clinics in the northern part of the state, which is out of Beaver. So those are, every community has some, you know, loss of, of just jobs, mostly for the parts that I serve in the assembly district. Now the Senate district, we pick up part of Sacramento. So there are obviously a lot of government jobs that are related to the capital here that I represent in the Senate part of the district. Uh, but mm-hmm. I still have, you know, both the whole Lake Tahoe area now that the California side and I still have, I have El Dorado, which is parts of that are close to the to the city here, but some parts of it are rural in the aspects of like they are up in the northern part of the district. So, are, are you finding that you know the communities are, are kind of adapting to the technology, or just you know creating new, you know, just with the internet? I guess maybe you said the internet's a problem, so maybe they aren't. Yeah. So actually, actually, I, I did a bipartisan bill a couple of years ago with Eduardo Garcia, who represents, uh, he has the Southern border of uh, California and I have the Northern border, but we have the same thing in common. We have, uh, we need the need for broadband. And so uh, we did a bill that um, takes a, there's a fee that it's already in place uh, to give services for underserved folks, but most of it was going to uh, inner city areas where you already have like cell service and broadband and it's there. It's just, they were trying to promote it. So we um, focused on unserved areas first. And so we directed those resources to go out to um, our community. So those that's in the pipeline. So we're working on trying to get, uh, you know, width on our band um, out through our communities. And so those are the, those are opportunities I have to meet, to do bipartisan work. There's a lot of work that happens here in the capital that is bipartisan. I mean, obviously, yes, there's maybe 10% of the bills or maybe a few more that are controversially and politically charged, but there's a lot of things we work on together. When, it, when we come to, you know, it's, it's mainly on how do we deliver it? You know, every, there's different ideas on how you deliver the services and that's, that's where we have the rub. But for, for most parts of the policy, uh, we work across party lines all the time here. It's just never gets talked about. It, it's always elevated to, um, you know, the political side of it where we're split. And so that's unfortunate because I think most of the constituents of California are actually in the middle. And uh, there's a lot of work we can do in that middle ground that uh, needs to be done. Well, if you get along with people, that's just not sexy and it doesn't make a good story. So <laughs> I know exactly why that's not covered. Um it's a little ridiculous, but so what's, what's been like the biggest surprise or biggest like eye opener that, you know, since you've been, you know, in, in the political scene? Well, I think that um, for me, it's, I don't know if there's been a real big surprise. I think the biggest challenge more than a surprise is that there's just very few people in politics that actually um, 
you know, like run a business or, or understand the challenges it takes that the risk that you take as a business owner um, to provide a, a job for somebody and, and also make a profit at the same time. I mean, you know, there's nothing wrong with making a profit that you need to make a profit in business to stay in business. And so I think there's a disconnect between, you know, people who are providing private industry jobs and wanting to take those risks versus people that um, work for, you know, uh, those companies or work for the government. And so I think that's just a misnomer that people think that everybody that is in business is rich or, or has uh, an advantage or they didn't earn it. I, I, I share a lot of times that, you know, Megan and I started out in a single wide mobile home and this is true with and the floor was like rotted out and the sink didn't work very well. And we were struggling business owners and we you know worked hard and took risk and, we've been blessed and you know we have a business that is functioning it's by no means are we wealthy or any of that but we have assets that we've gained along the way that we which we need to run our business and so so i i think that's for me it's more is that i think if we sit down and talk about the real things that take place in in our society um as far as you know what we what the government should supply and what the government shouldn't supply um you know, we needed to be obviously government was designed to provide safety for people. We need to keep people from invading our country. We also need to keep our streets safe. We also need to provide infrastructure. That's the things that our government is supposed to education, obviously a big part of um, what we collectively as a society should be working on. So when it comes to building the roads and keeping our infrastructure, I, we should be keeping our people safe. Absolutely. There's a lot of things that government is dabbling in that I think is, you know, um, maybe not as, uh, uh, you know, everything is driven off. A lot of politics is driven off of emotion and, and, you know, everybody wants to help, but at the end of the day, are we really, what difference are we making? We, we analyze, we spend a lot of resources on um, things that are emotionally driven and, and the more we put into it, the worst it gets. I mean, we've, we've, tried to help um people that are you know disadvantaged and are, are homeless people it's horrible and we're, and I, to be honest with you i don't know the fix we need more mental health people but the more mental health we give the more we get so i i don't have a, a, a really good grasp on what the solution is and and but i know one thing the problem is getting worse and so i've worked on all kinds of i started family resource centers and our and when i was at the county i've worked on um uh, with trying to out on the street with homeless people in Reading, finding, trying to find out where they're from, trying to connect them back with their family. This is an interesting fact that like 30% of the people that are on, that are homeless, somebody's looking for them, their family members in a lot of cases, and they may be clear across the country. So we've worked on trying to connect them back with their family that's working with them. We've tried to open up uh, clinics from, 11 o'clock at night till three o'clock in the morning. So instead of going to the emergency room for services, they actually have a, a mental health person that, you know, we've tried all kinds of things, Brian. And so, and, and not, and I think some of it may be working, but I'm looking for a solution that, um, you know, actually works. And I, and I don't have the silver bullet yet, but that doesn't mean I'm going to stop trying. People are living on our streets. Their addiction issues, huge addiction issues that we are, are faced with. Um, you know, I share a lot that my dad was an alcoholic. He, he was a professional drinker and then he drank from the time I can remember until 
I think I was in seventh grade when he, my mom learned about the Betty Ford came out as alcoholism was a disease. And my mom took a, she split up with my dad for a year and went and found out about, or one summer, I think it was, uh, went and found out about alcoholism and got my dad into a program and he was sober for 30 years and it changed my life and it changed our family's life because he broke the chain of addiction. And so those are things I want to work on to help people break the chain and, and come out of those addiction issues and actually live a prosperous life. And so um, they're challenging. There's lots of different uh, approaches, but in, in all reality, um, the problem seems to continue to get worse. Yeah, I agree. And it's, I think, you know, a lot of mental illness that, that in the past was taboo to even talk about is now coming into light as more of a normal thing which I think is helping at least pe- people being aware. Yeah. Um, and people um, self-medicated with alcohol and did, I mean, now we have obviously different kind of, um, you know, treatments with um, different kinds of drugs and those type of things that, that are helpful, but yeah, people were doing it. I mean, and it just wasn't recognized as, as we are more educated on it today. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of pain in the world and people are just masking it, you know, and they just want to, they just want to feel better. So, or, or not feel anything, you know, and it's until you have experienced it like you had, or if you have a, you know, a child or family member with some kind of mental challenge, you know, it's, it's easy to just dismiss it. Um, but yeah, you, you're seeing the result of it, you know, the streets and that's of course, again, the media picks up on that as well. But um, do you, and I think you kind of answered this, but you, you feel like you're able to like make some good changes, like some lasting changes oh, with yeah. what you're doing. Absolutely. I, I have, um, we've done a lot of, um, for, for our, for my district and, and statewide, just like I said, you know, we've, we've done a lot and for, and in the, on the environment side, you know, we've on fire suppression, not so much suppression, but uh, there's been a lot, you know, we had a hundred years of, fire suppression, which is not natural to California. California naturally, you know, burned every 10 to 12 years. We know that from science. We also know that lightning used to strike and it would burn for months, but we, but it burned out all that underbrush. So we've had a hundred years of fire suppression, which is our forest is overgrown. We have a lot of brush. And so I've been tackling that issue from day one. And, and these, these mega fires are um, devastating to the landscape. And so they put off more carbon uh, than all the combustible engines in California put together for a whole year. And so we've, uh, I've been focusing on doing legislation that uh, streamlines the process so we can do vegetation management for our communities uh, at the same time, uh, improving our watersheds and, and the habitat for wildlife. And so those trips I mentioned to you about with the legislators, I take them out and I show them where we mechanically thinned a forest and fires came through and there's still trees that are alive, which trees that are alive sequester carbon. Trees that are dead emit uh, methane, and when they burn, they, there's there's carbon. Uh, so I've moved them. We've moved mountains, and I not just say me, but other legislators. Bipartisan bills with I, I team up with Democrats who once they see what we're talking about are like, hey, this is the right thing to do. So we've had opposition from environmental groups, um, but the members that have seen it have voted against those those environmental groups to do the right thing. So yes, we've moved. Uh, giant pieces of legislation. We did a lot of bipartisan work with um, healthcare. They used to you used to get surprise bills uh, when you went to the anesthesia or went in to get surgery, and your anesthesiologist wasn't in uh, your network of healthcare. You would get a personal bill. Some people got you know 
from five thousand to up to a hundred thousand dollar bills um, to themselves personally. So that was wrong. We worked on a bipartisan piece of le- uh, legislation that um, stopped that and actually got the doctors and the healthcare um, uh, plans, the health plans together, and they we worked it out. So there's a lot of stuff that happens here that is that is bipartisan that is good for the people at the end of the day. Uh, but at the end of the day, you should also know that there are a lot of special interests in gov- in politics. And in special interest means that that's their interest. They don't care about anybody else's interest but their own. And there's a lot of times that, you know, there's a lot of powerful special interests here. And it's, it's big business. It's unions. It's um, it, non-government organizations. Um, you have all kinds of political influences here that influence this place. And so it's kind of a, I always say it's kind of a minefield to get a bill through because you have all these different people and they're only cared about their issue. So if you look at the whole of California and try to manage for everybody, and then you have to get through that landmine, it can be difficult at times. And there's no, I I don't think there's any bill that any, and I would say most legislators would tell you this, there's no perfect bill. They, they somewhere along the line, the bill didn't do what they wanted it to do because there was some influence they had to take an amendment to it or something. I guarantee you there's not one of my bills that was perfect, but you take what you can, you get part of the, you get a slice of the pie and you keep going back after it until you try to get where you're at. So those are the things that most people don't see. I, I have many good friends on both sides. Of we work on issues and some things we can't work on. I mean, when it comes to, you know, um, my philosophy on the second amendment and things like that. I mean, there's obviously people who think that no Americans should, you know, have a gun. And so, right. uh, and then we just, we, we don't talk about that. We we're, we know we're opposed. It's not hostile. It's not personal. It's just where we stand. And so I, I don't have, there's not a legislator here that I can tell you that I don't like personally. Um, we may have differences on policy, but it's, I've never made it personal. There's, I've learned, so much from a lot of great legislators that are here. Well, you're in a, a unique position too, and that's maybe what I want to segue into you know, the next uh, segment here. Okay. Um, you see these guys, you see the opponents face-to-face, so they are no longer just a label or a group. They're a human. And so yeah, you can disagree with them in, 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 in person and you don't want to, you know, rip each other's heads off like we do with like, you know, our social media where people can hide behind right. their keyboard confidence. <clears throat> and, and that's I'm trying to think where I'm going to go with this. I think some of the problems in our, just in our world and, and maybe, maybe we can talk about your, just some of the blowback from your, 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 uh, your faith uh, rally that you had. It's not a rally. What's the word I'm using? So we your town, your town hall, your town faith hall, town yeah. hall. So yeah. And, and you, and you've been blasted by these, you know, and I've been on this conversation about it and, and I think, and I keep telling people, it's like, Hey guys, I think he, he's not the monster you're saying he is. And it's because you're just, you're just a figurehead. You're just a, a label. You're just, uh, you're just another douchey politician. So I can, I can wish you dead and all these evil things that people are saying that, you know, you, and it's because they don't have that connection, that relationship. And we've forgotten how to just be kind to each other. Yeah. So I, I want to just share, I'm going to answer that question for you and tell you my thoughts on 
on who should who should or I mean I think everybody. So this let me answer that first. I want to uh, remind me to share with you about my good friend uh, Reggie Jones Sawyer, who's a assembly member from from uh, the inner part of L.A. So look, I, I want everybody to participate in. You know, we have a right to vote. We have a right to freedom of speech. And, you know, I've been called a lot of things. I, there's been a lot of freedom of speech that's been directed at me that I didn't really want to hear because it was pretty raw. <laughs> yeah. um, but I I absolutely know they have the right to say whatever they want to say about me. And that's their constitutional right. And I love our Constitution. I think, uh, you know, it was inspired by great men and, and leaders um, and and I and it's the best system in the world and I wouldn't trade it for anything. And I and I love America. And so and I love the people in it as as dysfunctional as some people think it is. And uh, that's what I love about it is that I have a right to my own opinion. I have a I have and they have their right to their opinion. And, you know, some people have said to me, what do you mean you can talk to people of faith and, you know, Christians? And so I've met with I I. Uh, a rabbi and I, uh, until he had a heart attack, which is kind of crazy. We used to run every morning here at the Capitol. We do four or five miles and, and a great friend of mine. I'm, I'm not of the Jewish faith, but you know, he's a great rabbi. He's a great friend and he's, he's awesome. And so I listened to him. We talk about, you know, um, our perspectives on faith. And I've met with Muslims who during the Obama, Obama administration were fearful that somebody was going to you know do something towards them because of their faith. And so, you know, obviously I'm, I'm a believer and I have what I believe and, um, and I'm more than happy to, uh, you know, share that with likewise believers. And if somebody doesn't believe the same way I do, that's fine. That's this, that's what makes America great. But should Christians or should uh, Jewish people or should Muslims be a part of our, of our, you know, our country and be engaged in the political process? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't think there's any reason not to be. And, you know, they, I got a lot of blowback about the separation, separation of church and state. And so I'm not saying that, you know, you, you sh- that we should, as a believers, we should be engaged. I think that we should be. And I think that there's some that we shouldn't. So, so for me, it's like you have a right to your, your speech. I have a right to mine. And I, and I encourage it. I think it's great. And, I, but I, I don't encourage standing and somebody and screaming at them and not having a conversation to me that's not that's what i watch on fox news i I don't watch i don't watch tv because i get tired of talking heads talking over each other and not having a conversation like you and i are having so if there's ever somebody that wants to have a conversation and and then you can if you don't agree you can agree to disagree and, and still love our constitution and our country then that's great uh we debate ideas here all day long and that's what I was going to share with you is that, you know, Reggie Jones Sawyer is the, is a, is a legislator in the assembly that um, I got, I, I love him. He's great. He's, um, he's uh, African-American and he's, he represents USC, which where the space shows that have been to his district. He can get across his district in 18 minutes in traffic. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and he also has, he also took me down to Florence and Normandy where the Rodney King riots were and showed me that part of his district. And, you know, there's a lot of poor people there. Well, he's also been to my district and, you know, we may not have African-Americans, but we have poor people. And we also uh, he he chaired the Boys and Men of Color uh, caucus and I became a member of that. And and 
because the highest suicide rate for boys and men of color are from 18 to 24 year old are Native Americans, which I represent a bunch of in my district. These aren't these aren't Native Americans that have a, a casino or are these are poor tribes that are. And so we have that in common and we we are dedicated to that. And that's some place that we can work together. So we work together on those issues. So I share with people, we disagree on, on public safety policy, on use of force. And we have lots of disagreements, but we can, we can still work on things and be, and be friends. I mean, trust me, we are really close friends and our, our families know each other. Our kids talk to each other on Facebook and that's, Across the board, I have all kinds of members here that are friends of my family, and we debate vigorously, but it's respectful, and that's what I think we need more of in America. Is talking about the ideas, and and, 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 and instead of the person, instead of the politics of it, but just the principles. Yeah, and we're, and, we're lacking that. And being respectful, I mean, you know, that I think that you see a lot of um, really a divided country when it comes to because we don't sit down and have the conversation. Just as I said earlier, like we are right now. And so I look long, I long for those days that we can actually have conversations, try to find things that we can work on that we agree on the things we can't agree on. Then, you know, whoever's got the most votes wins those. And, you know, until those votes change the other way, that's the way it's going to be. And so, and I, and I get that and I'm okay with that. Um, But I also want people not to sit on the sidelines. I think people should be engaged in, and this um, great country and this state is amazing state. I love California. It has so much to offer. It's got infrastructure, it's got climate. It's got the world leading technology companies. It's, it's just, there's so much that California has to offer to the world. And we have agriculture. We have, the, you know, the breadbasket of the world. So we, ha- we have so much here that I am, I love about California. And so there's a lot of things. Yeah, the cost of living's high. Um, we have a lot of things that are, we have a lot of homelessness. We have lots of issues, um, but I think together we can fix those issues. And that's where, that's where I'm headed. If, if we just get back to the basic treat each other with kindness and respect and, and live, you know, whether you're Christian or not, this, the second commandment of loving your neighbor applies. Yes. And, and a- if you not save your neighbor, not fix your neighbor, just love people and and try to understand and we've lost so much of that and that's what i'm finding in just just again you know through the social media channels is people will if if you disagree with somebody then you're then they they, you're you're dismissed and if we would just go back to martin luther king he said just by the content of your character and that's it that's it i think if we just we we complicate it and if we just treat each other like humans you know i i I love uh Martin Luther King's writings. And I think he was just an outstanding human being. Um, you know, and he did it, he did it all nonviolent. He was like nonviolent, not, you know, and, and he made it as a movement. And, you know, we, we, we recognize it every year here on the floor. And I think it's definitely appropriate and right that we do so. Um, and that's, that's kind of where I, I try to model after great leaders like him and and even Cesar Chavez, where he he fasted and walked and was like, no, this is wrong. And 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 so he stood up for what he believed in, and you know he did he did change things in the labor world. And so I believe that he fasted and he there was a movement that he did, and he he walked people to Sacramento, and it made a change in, in labor. You know, it was it was they were basically treating them you know with disrespect and not paying them, and that's wrong. 
um, we there's lots of great leaders out there that have. Or we, that's what I would like to try to say that you know I try to bring people together and you know by by no means do I put myself in their class but I I do know that um, you can make a lot of you can make a lot of headway uh, by treating people with, di- with dignity and grace and, and respect um, and so that's yeah. that's been my choice um, I don't I don't put my mic up on the floor and and rant and rave I talk about the issue I try to point to the policy and uh, and why I think it should be one way or the other and then um, let the chips fall where they may and try to get more people involved. Um, there's just, it's really sad that, you know, uh, such a small part of our population is even participating in, in voting and, and those things. And I, I try to get people involved. Well, yeah, that was uh, one of my, my questions is like, you know, the district you represent has about a million people, I believe. And I think in the last election it was like about 112,000 showed up. Right, which which so, is very high for a for a special election, but but it seems so. It's like that's ten percent, and it's like what? Any thoughts or suggestions on? I mean, I, mean, I know just from my perspective, I'm just you know you try to follow it and you try to get involved or stay involved, but it's become so toxic that I think people, at least me, I'm just like ah, I just don't have the, I just don't care. You you stop caring, and then that's when that's yeah. When well, I, I will just. You know, I always share this with people who are frustrated with um, how our system works. And I, and I say constantly, if there's one thing I say a lot is government works just how it was designed. The people that show up and are engaged in it every day doing it are getting the things they want. The people who occasionally engage in it get occasionally what they want. The people who don't engage in it don't really get what they want and, and or don't get the product that they want out. So if you want to be effective in, you know, legislation and, and crafting the future for our, our children and, and the future, then you need to be engaged. And that's exactly why, you know, I took time away from our business and, and my family to come to Sacramento to, uh, I want a future for Roslyn and Chase and, and Reagan. I, I want them to be able to, if they so choose to farm, farm. If they want to do whatever it is, I want, I want them to have the California that is, is so dear to me and my family that we, you know, we homestead here, we have generations of this great state and I want to uh, give those, those give them the opportunities. And so people need to be involved. And I always say, um, I have a saying that says it's, it's a lot harder when you're in the ring fighting the bull versus in the stands slinging the bull. And there's lots of people who, who, yeah, who do you. a lot of that. I mean, I trust me, I have a social media account and, and I get, People just light me up, right? They tell me all kinds of things, yeah. and I and I share them. And even even people that are of my same party, I get lots of criticism from my own party about how I do things. And I say, you know, it's not just how you think it is. And you know, I'm doing the best I can with with a hand of cards that I'm dealt. And that you don't get to change your hand. You don't get to fold and start over. You have to play that hand. And it's not always black and white. It's all, not always perfect. There's bills with. 50% of the bill you like and 50% of the bill you don't like, then what do you do? And you have losers and winners in your district or people lose, you know, those are tough. And so a lot of people think that politics is, or, or being a representative is, you know, you're, you're, you can do whatever you want to do. No, it's compromise. It's a lot of work and it's, it's, and your constituents are very frustrated with the outcomes. And so I'm here in the ring. Uh, I do it every day and yeah, you got to get pretty thick. A lot of people, criticize you and and but i know when i lay my head down at night i'm doing the best i can with the with the 
set of facts and this and the knowledge I have in front of me to make decisions that uh, my constituents have to, um, you know, receive the, the with the consequences of my actions. Right. Yeah, I think the only thing you're talking about, Teddy Roosevelt had a little quote, you know, called the Manning. Yes, Arena. I, have sure it, I have. I have trained. And I and I posted that to, you know, to this this group that's been ripping you to shreds yeah. and like, hey, bring some solutions, bring some ideas, bring some help. You know, what can you do? Not just like he sucks. He should be out. He, uh, you know, you're a hater, blah, blah, all this crap. That's just, you know, they don't know right. you. They don't know you and they don't know your right. heart and they just see, you know, the surface and you know they're just getting riled up. And, but, uh, yeah, we would just be more human to each other. You know, so much could be accomplished and so much, so many problems could just be resolved mm-hmm. and solved, you know? So, um, I know we're running against your clock here. So any fi- final thoughts or what's, what's next for, for the great Brian Daly? <laughs> well, I am happy to be uh, serving, you know, as a Senator. And so I'm not, I'm not, I don't ever uh, have plans. I, I want to serve right where I'm at. I mean, obviously, you know, if a door opens and, and there's a, something happens down the line, you know, we'll cross that bridge when it comes. But for right now, I want to, I, I we, the cost of living in California I mentioned and you know my, I have a district that uh, has different needs and I want to promote those here in the Senate. Um, I'm working across the aisle right now, uh, inviting legislators to come out to our district to educate them. Likewise, I go to their districts. I want to I want to meet their family. I want to meet their constituents. I want to understand when they bring a bill what their challenges are. And you know, this is a big state and there's a lot of different geographies and different population basis and so for me i want to just do my job i'm excited i want my um you know to continue to be a father and a husband and uh and then just uh focus on the senate right now so i, I appreciate you letting me come on I, I i thank you for um the time that you've allowed me to be able to speak on the, on your program and uh, and i miss you man i haven't seen you for a long time it's been a long time. I, I don't get back much, but uh, I have this little, uh, I don't know if it's a secret, but uh, I just got a little invitation to your wife's uh, apparently running for your, your old yes, gig. She is. Uh, she announced yes. today that she'll be running uh, for the assembly seat. Yes. Yeah. So a little family thing going on here. President and uh, president and Mrs. Daly <laughs> or no president and Mr. Daly. Right. Yeah. So, well, we're, uh, she's, uh, you know, she's been, a great um, asset. We're, we're, we're a team We're we've, uh, you know, like I said, we started out in a single wide mobile home together. So there's not much that she doesn't understand about what I do, uh, but she yeah. knows how to run a business. And, you know, we've invested a lot in, in, in our, in these relationships that we built with these legislators. And, um, you know, we don't want to see that, uh, that work uh, not continue on. And so she's a perfect yeah, fit for exactly. that. And I'm super excited about, um, you know, this next chapter in her life. And, um, and I, I always often say she brings a different perspective. I mean, obviously being a woman and, and a mother and a business owner is a different perspective than I have. And, um, and I always love to hear, get her insight because she is, she's a great, great woman and a good partner. And so I'm excited. For her. I was, I, I was just going to echo that. Yeah. She's a good woman from a good family yeah. and, and as are you. So, you know, you're both good people. So it's good to, you know, some good, clean, common sense, you know, you know, people behind what you're doing. So, so sir, I, uh, I appreciate your time and, uh, how can, uh, how can people reach you? What's the best way for them uh, to, can, to, to connect with you? Go to, um, well, uh, com is always easy. 
but also you can uh, contact me uh, through Facebook, um, social media. I got all the Twitter accounts. Those things are up. And or if you want to do legislative stuff, um, actually, you can just uh, you can go to the California website for my office and and my staff is available. Uh, Okay. Anytime. Excellent. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate your time. All right, Brian, have a great day and, uh, and take care. All right. Thank you, sir. Bye. Hey guys, if you haven't heard about anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. One, it's free. Two, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Three, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many others. Four, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And five, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. It is so stinking easy. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You will not be disappointed. Thank you again for listening to the Parish the Thought Show. We would love your comments and feedback on our website at briankeithparish.com feedback. If you love or hate what you hear, please give us a rating on whatever platform you find us.